You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, generate content, and grow brand awareness. I'm Jeremy Scheer, and my guest today is Rusty Bishop. Rusty is Chief Marketing Officer at Big Tin Can, a sales enablement platform. Rusty, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks, Jeremy. It's good to be here, man. So we're going to jump into our topic in a second. But first, one thing I've been curious about, where, is, where does Big Tin Can come from? Like, why, why is the company called that? So it was originally founded in Australia, and uh, the founders had the idea of... Uh, putting everything into one spot, putting all your content into one place. And they were brainstorming ideas. And of course, looking for URLs at the time, which was hard to come by because mm. there was only .coms and they came up with Big Tin Can. And uh, so that, that was the origin of the, the company. Yeah. Okay, got it. Put yeah. everything in a, in a Big Tin Can. Yeah, surprisingly memorable name. Yeah. It's, it's funny. <laughs> I, yeah, it's a good name. Yeah. I've, well, I've, I've been aware of Big Tin Can for, for many years and, I've, and, I've, and it, it, it is a good name. It does stand out. Yeah. You know, so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's jump right into our topic, which is creating late funnel content. Yeah. So first let's just define that. What do we mean by late funnel content? Yeah. So what, I, what, I, what I'm talking about there is the type of content that you would want to provide to your customer facing teams when they are in the final stages of either closing a deal or perhaps it's renewing a client who's already a customer. So it's that late funnel that, that when, when it's getting close to being done, maybe the, maybe it's down to you and one competitor, you know, maybe it's down to, oh my gosh, I gotta go convince my CEO to pay for this or my boss to pay for this or whatever it is. So that's that, that last little piece of content, which I think gets the least amount of press, but it could be the most important for generating revenue at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. It's like the last bit before the deal is closed or, yeah, or yeah. not closed. We're not so, closed. Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so what are some examples generally of the kind of content we're talking about then? What does that look like? I mean, the, the examples will probably vary depending on the type of person and marketing team that you have, right? I mean, if you're in manufacturing, it might just be simply the specs and does it work, right? If you're in selling software, it might be that you need to have some sort of ROI analysis or you need some sort of personalized content that shows someone exactly how this will be implemented. It could be things all the way down to, you know, getting things right with their legal team. So mm -hmm. those are some, some examples, right? It really depends on what you're selling, you know, okay. sometimes, sometimes, and then you got to take this one step further, right? So most people aren't selling to one person anymore. So some of you out there might be praised to you. If you are, a lot of us are selling to 12, 15, sometimes people nowadays yeah. could be in a buying group. So what you've got to think about is, especially in late stages, is, is do I have content? That is addressing each of those personas that could be in that buying group. I think this is something people miss quite a bit, right? They assume I'm selling to, I don't know, CTOs and I've got great content for CTOs, but it turns out that I didn't have anything for the CMO and they torpedoed me. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the kind of thinking that we're trying to do here in late stage. It's like, do mm -hmm. I, am I providing my customer facing teams with everything they need? Not everything, obviously that's impossible, but with the majority of types of content that they need to be compelling to everyone on a buying team. Okay, right. Makes good sense. Yeah. So let's talk about how this works at Big Tin Can. So tell us a, a little bit about in, in the, the later stages of the funnel, what kind of buying groups you're dealing with and, sure. and, and the demand, the content demands that that requires. 
Yeah, that's interesting. So we typically sell, I mean, we sell a little bit all over the spectrum because we sell into so many different verticals. But for the most part, it's either we're selling into a marketing team or we're selling into a sales enablement team, a true team that's tasked with doing the job of enabling salespeople to do their jobs better. So for the late stage content, what we typically find to be more effective is ROI type content. We find case studies to be actually, even though I think it's one of the most overrated types of content, especially when you're looking at buying groups. Comparisons on cost, of course, when you're selling enterprise software, you're going to have a pricing team come in. You're going to have a negotiating team come in and they're going to want to know why this is going to cost this much over so many years. Content on how it's going to be implemented for us is really important. What we've learned is that implementation of enterprise software can be the most difficult part, right? You hear about mm -hmm. people playing Salesforce and getting up and running three years later. No offense to Salesforce, but you know things like that can be a really big, compelling reason not to buy something. So we need to have content that explains all that stuff in an in a understandable way in a digestible way that speaks to each of those possible buyers in that buyer group. Now, we also have to have content that talks to sales. Even though sales necessarily, doesn't necessarily always write the check for something like sales enablement, they wanna know if you're gonna put this in the hands of my salespeople across the world, what is it gonna do? Are they actually gonna use it? So we gotta convince sellers, marketers, IT that it's gonna work. We gotta convince, you know, so that late stage funnel content gets really complex for us because we sell to the, some of the largest companies in the world. Mm, okay. Yeah. So. Take okay, it one so, further, right? Imagine yeah, yeah. you got to do US and Europe and Asia for us because we're, mm. we're a global company, right? When we talk about Europe, I mean, we've got to have like very detailed how we deal with things like GDPR, how we handle those types of things, and how that's going to be handled because we're putting something in the hands of a salesperson that can capture someone's information. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it gets pretty complex. That, that yeah, I mean that does sound pretty complex, and each mm -hmm. each deal is at least a little bit different. Right. So, I mean, so it seems like for the for the content production team, it's actually yeah. producing the content that you need. And to in, in your experience so far, to what extent is it like every deal is different enough that you kind of have to start from scratch? Or are, is it possible to use templates and kind of repurpose things from from, you know, situation to situation? And for us, it's probably 85% templated and ready to go. Mm -hmm. It's that final 15% or maybe even 5% of personalization <clears throat> that matters. Mm -hmm. And whether you're doing that through automation, Big Team Can has automation and stuff. I don't want to talk about Big Team Can too much. That's not what we're here to talk about. Or whether you're doing that through a dedicated you know, team of content producers who are out there personalizing that late stage content. Typically 85%, 90% is, is pre-templated. It can be reused over and over and over again. It's mm -hmm. when you get to, sometimes we see car, complex like RFPs and those kind of things. We have to completely redo stuff, but it's right. pretty rare. It's pretty rare. Right. Okay. So being able to kind of automate some of it makes the task a little less burdensome. Yeah, 100%. You'd have to have so many content marketers on your team, you'd be broke basically. Right. Okay. So, yeah. so it seems like an important... Part of the process then is, especially if you're, you know, a, a relatively young company, yeah. uh, is is getting these processes in place, developing these templates, yeah, so sure. that you can use them over and over. Hundred percent. If you're a relatively young company, I mean, you, you've got to be defining your ICP, right? Your ideal custom profile. It's got to be very <laughs> tight, so that if, if it's not, you're going to be spending all your time creating content that may or may not close deals. You know, most people's close rates are ten to twenty percent, right? So that's a lot of time spending spent on late stage content, which is just wasted time. Yeah. Now, the at, at the later stages, people are typically dealing with sales teams, right? Or they've been dealing with sales teams, maybe yeah, toward, or, you know, or customer success or those kind of things. customer success, right? So, so it would seem like for for marketers, for content producers, collaborating closely with customer success teams with sales is really important, not just generally, but on the actual production of the content itself. So. 
So, so how, how, how important is that actually? It's insanely important. <laughs> it's everything, <laughs> right? I mean, as a, as a group, sales and marketing's job, in my opinion, is to create a great buying experience. And that, yeah. that is for their customers, right? And we, I just had a study with Matt Hines and the Hines Group last summer. You know, every, every company we pulled, period, the, the most important thing is creating a great buying experience. The odd thing is when we ask sales what their most important thing they had to do was, it was not create a great buying experience. When we asked marketing what their most important thing was, it was not create a great buying experience. So even though both teams said this is the most important thing we have to do, neither one of them were aligned on that. It didn't even make mm. the top five for either individual group, which I thought was very fascinating. So 100%, if you're not completely aligned with creating a great buying experience that your customers expect and then, and, and across their, the way that they buy, I think you're in a lot of trouble. And I think that's why we're yeah. starting to see a lot of deals slipping right now, especially in a, in a recessionary, we all, I'll use that type yeah. of environment that we could possibly in right now. I guess we are, it doesn't matter. I mean, everything matters at this point, right? Every detail matters. And if you're not aligned and really deeply aligned, especially on complex deals, I think you're, you're in for a world of hurt. Yeah. So, I mean, sales and marketing teams are notoriously siloed. Not always, of course, but, you know, it's sort of an ongoing problem for a lot of companies, which would seem to be a big problem for creating good late stage content. So, I mean, what do you, how do you guys deal with this at Big Tin Can? I mean, here at Big Tin Can, we're pretty fortunate in the fact that we're pretty aligned already because we sell sales enablement software. So if I'm not aligned with sales, I'm, I'm in a lot of trouble. So I'm probably a little bit of a unicorn in that aspect. But if I had to like say things to my fellow marketers out there or my fellow content creators, I mean, you know, the action steps you're thinking about are frame a discussion between your revenue generating teams and actually have a real discussion about what you need at the late stage. I'd be surprised how many companies haven't done this. Just literally sat down in a boardroom and said, what do we need at the late stage, right? Then once you've identified those gaps, that gives you a baseline. So I think about baselines a lot. I think it's impossible to improve anything without a baseline. So once you have your baseline, you know how to go. Always considering the buyer's perspective while you're having that conversation. A lot of people default back to, I'm in sales, I really need that ROI, but do buyers really need an ROI? Do buyers really need a case mm-hmm. study? Do they really need an analyst report at this point? But what if, so thinking and putting yourself in the buyer's shoes when you're talking and framing that conversation. Hardest thing is identifying those internal processes and technologies that you got to change. That's where things get expensive and personal internally, mm-hmm. right? So I own this. You're not taking this away from me, that kind of yeah. thing. That's where you got to walk a fine line as a marketer. And lastly, it's just an audit how you're delivering against the buyer's expectations, right? And that's a matter of doing measurement through the sales cycle and especially in the late stage. Do you actually have a current way to measure the effectiveness of your content? It's a really important question to ask. I guess with most people, it's anecdotal right now because technology is just starting to come around where you can see what happens in the late stage, right? We can actually measure it. Yeah. So why do you think that those conversations between sales and marketing that you just described, why do you think they don't happen as often as they probably should? I think there's always been a silo there. And, and I don't think anyone would disagree with this, right? There's always, we all, we all are aligned on, on one thing. We got to be generating revenue and opportunities for our I don't think we're aligned for the most part on how that happens. And so you create that silo. And I think there's always this, there's always going to be this tension there, unfortunately, between sales and marketing, which is, you know, from the sales side, you're not generating enough opportunity for me. And from the marketing side, you're not doing using enough of my stuff to make us seem on brand. <laughs> mm-hmm. So as long as that tension's there, I think that's just reality. Maybe you just accept it. And then you learn how to cross that barrier, accepting the fact that that's always going to be there. So what's your advice for marketing teams that you know, are, are aware that they need to improve the quality of their late stage content and maybe haven't done such a great job with breaking down that barrier between sales and marketing. How do you, how do you do that? Like what's at least the first step there? 
I think, well, the first thing you got to do is I'll come back to it is get that baseline, right? What do you have today? What is being used in the late cycle, in the late sales stage today? Even if you have to do it anecdotally in a spreadsheet, hopefully you have something like CRM data so you can see what's being emailed as an activity or being sent something in like a digital sales room or something like that. So if you have a way to get that baseline data, that's your first step. What do you have? What's being used? And then comparing that against a win-loss analysis, probably need a RevOps team to do that. Otherwise, you need to spend a lot of time in spreadsheets. And I should just get out there talking to salespeople. It's sort of amazing how I sell them that actually even happens, right? So you, you gather your data. And then once you have your baseline, you can start to track that content attribution. And then you know how to improve, right? So then you can begin to create stronger and stronger late to stage content. I think when you do that audit, when you do that baseline, you're probably going to find you're missing a couple pieces of content, right? Mm -hmm. You've built absolutely nothing for the purchasing team. You just haven't thought about it, right? You never thought you had to create a, mar a marketing three slides for the purchasing team at your customer. Then when then you get up to improve, you're going to measure against your baseline. That's pretty obvious, right? I mean, here I use full circle insights inside of Salesforce and pair that up with my big team can analytics, which shows me what my sales team is using. That combination allows me to do actual attribution at the content level on each deal. So that takes a little while to set up. Obviously, there's a lot of technology there and there's some tech stack, you know, guru kind of stuff that you're going to need help with. Once you have it, though, then you then you know down to the actual like page level or even message level what's what's generating at the late stage. Yeah, and that sounds like a good place to be. Yeah, I mean the baseline is a great start. Honestly, there's mm -hmm. lots, lots of us that are out there just flying blind and like creating content, right? <laughs> just yeah. ooh, here we go. And that might be why there's so much content out there. Yeah, and amazing. We're all <laughs> drowning in a sea of content, right? Okay, okay. I like it. So finally, Rusty, how can people connect with you? You can find me on LinkedIn is usually the best way. It's uh, Rusty Bishop. Very easy to find. Big Team Can. I'm also on Twitter. So those are probably the easiest ways to connect with me. Okay. Excellent. Well, thanks so much. I'm glad that we connected and that yeah. you made time you, to come on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm glad we got to create some content together. You as well. Hope your, your listeners enjoy it and get something out of it. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.